Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? Going well, as always. Yes, we are here. It's another day, which is a great thing. We're here. Yes, it's it's sunny. It's beautiful fall weather. We were very excited. We've been sort of camping and traveling around a bit, actually more traveling than we've gotten to do in two years now. It's um, quite different. I'm not used to driving. It's quite annoying. Yes, yes. Very, very irritating. Yep. But the fall foliage was amazing. Was I have good, to... Good leaf color. Yes. yes. To give credit to Quebec, uh, the, the fall foliage is, is just absolutely beautiful. I think we picked pretty much the perfect week to be there and to be driving through because we saw the leaves changing as we were going. And I know a lot of people who listen to this also saw a lot of the fall foliage uh, out at Mountain Bike Nationals in Quebec. And Yay! Cross is here. Cross is no longer just coming. It's here. Uh, Rochester UCI Cyclocross kicked off the weekend. It's super cool to see Cyclocross back in the U.S. I am so stoked, albeit devastated that we're not there for it, but it's just really cool to see everyone excited about it. See the grassroots stuff is back. The big stuff is back. Uh, a lot of the weekly series are, are starting up again. That's right. Yep. We're uh, attending one in nearby in Brooklyn. Uh, Ontario, not New York. Don't get excited. Apologies if you're from New York City. Uh, but yeah, that's on the, I think, Wednesday the 6th. We're at the Shredder's Cross. Yeah. Uh, so if you're in the GTA, you might like to come and, and, and join us. I think we're focusing on cornering uh, ahead of the race. And then I think I'll jump into the race. I don't know. Will, will you jump into the race? Oh, I did not know that was an option. Oh, okay. I just go. got... Put you on the spot. Woof. Oh, boy. I mean, I guess I got to use that Shred Girl skin suit sometime. Right. Do I wear a skin suit for a weekly race? These are the questions. I guess. I guess you should probably race in the the, the clothing that uh, you want to race in, you know, train in and so forth. And what you want to yeah. race with. And that's, well, I guess, today's episode is, is going to some of these concepts. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'll also maybe shout out the fact that we just did an article on consummateathlete.com all about uh, how to how to be pro even as a non-pro athlete at the races. Uh, so less about uh, wearing the perfect skin suit and more about just kind of keeping, basically, you guys know my favorite topic, keeping your stuff together, keeping it tight, as Jeremy Powers used to say. Man, this is a cyclocrossy episode. I am excited. Um, so just kind of how to keep your stuff organized when you're at a race. We know we all know the, the young racers who, I, I call it yard sailing their stuff as they're trying to find that one pair of socks or that one pair of gloves at the race. And this is sort of about avoiding that. Which, you know, not just looks professional, but it also makes your life a lot easier on race day. Gets you to the start line on time. Everyone knows I am a big stickler for the the start line on time. Um, I just heard you on a coaching call actually talking about how one of the biggest things for even a race as big as the World Championships is how do you get the racers to the start line at the appropriate time? Yeah, it's maybe more of a concern for certain racers than others. But uh, yeah, the, that's the idea, right, is knowing the schedule. And, and I think all of this comes back to uh, decision making. And, and, you know, in the race, you're going to make a lot of decisions, right? That's what racing is, uh, you know, what line to take, when to pass, when not to pass, how hard do you go, how, you know, 
choosing what start spot, choosing the tires, choosing the pressure. So it's, it's a lot of decisions. So any of these things we can do in advance, like having your clothing arranged in a, you know, the baggies we've talked about in the past where it's, you know, your warm up kit, you know, your rain weather gear, your warmers, or we talked about maybe the alternative you have like pre-ride day, you know, warm up kit. And then there's maybe a race kit as well. You know, cyclocross can have many, many rides over the course of the weekend uh, as we preview the course. So trying to minimize some of those, the searching, but also the decisions uh, is a smart idea. Yeah, for sure. And of course there, there's also the alternative as far as the bag packing where you can do, you know, jerseys in one, uh, bib shorts in the other, skin suits in one. So really it's figuring out what works for you as far as the organization component goes. Um, but I, I personally am more of a fan of your idea of the pre-ride kit, the warm-up kit. It just kind of ensures you have everything and know where to find it. So yeah, uh, more on that over at consummateathlete.com. Uh, but today's episode, if you haven't guessed, is very cyclocross. I'm going to say 101 and 201 as far as what we're talking about. Uh, so we're not going to teach anyone how to race cyclocross here, but we are talking about our best tips. And I guess maybe for newer listeners who think of, I guess, me more of as a runner and Peter more as a mountain biker, um, I actually got my start in cyclocross as far as writing, racing, uh, reporting, coaching, all of that stuff goes. Uh, I literally wrote the book on cyclocross, the, I'm going to say first American book on cyclocross, Mud, Snow, and Cyclocross, uh, came out in 2012. It was my first book I ever published, uh, first book with a publisher. It was very exciting for me. Uh, I wrote for Cyclocross Magazine for a number of years and was the managing editor there. Uh, and of course, uh, if you have been following the podcast for a long time, you know that we also, or I was also the team manager for Aspire Racing uh, with Jeremy Powers, with Rafa Focus, with Ellen Noble, uh, if any of those names ring a bell for cyclocross fans. Uh, so I spent a lot of time over in Belgium for races, um, all over Europe, all over the US. Uh, and of course, actually on this day, eight years ago, I met my lovely husband, Peter Glassford, right here at the first ever UCI cyclocross race in China. I don't know that it was today. It 100% was definitely today. the 23rd. But no, that's... it's definitely the 27th. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. I mean, it's been in my calendar for that many <laughs> years. So in any case, we were in China. I will give you that. Yes. So that's that's my cyclocross. Oh, and I raced it too. Actually, that's, that's pretty much how I got into cycling as my love of my life. I was in triathlon, but then my cycling team at Rutgers needed a, a woman to race cyclocross because the, you know, shout out to the ECCC Collegiate Cycling Conference, but the they had evened out the points for men and women. So any race weekend, if you had, you could have 10 guys, but if you had one woman, your points would be equal. Um, the points just were equaled out for the men and women. I couldn't tell you the exact math, but anyway, upshot was they needed a woman racing on the Rutgers cycling team. And I was riding with them to get better at cycling for triathlon, but they were like, here's a cyclocross bike. You're going to do this. Uh, and the rest is, is history. Hmm. And what about you? Cyclocross background. We just did it in the fall. I didn't really know there was races. <laughs> they just said, these are cheap road bikes you can get, and then you can ride them on trails and it's sort of sketchy. And so that's, what we did. And I think, my mountain biking tends to involve a lot of running and dismounting and, you know, going through really deep grass usually and getting cut by things. So I don't know. Perfect for I think cyclocross. I'm probably riding cyclocross most of the time, but yeah, I don't know. I've raced a fair bit in UCI and you said in China was probably the wildest race I've done, but 
yeah i don't know it's good it's something to do in the fall and i, I don't like the cold very much so it's not it's not my b- b- greatest discipline yeah and i'd say for seven years now pretty much since we met we've been running cyclocross clinics yeah, and I really like the training side of it and the technique. Uh, it's, it's one of those disciplines where you can spend, you know, the, the day before really working on the course. And I have some great memories of, you know, working on it with friends or, you know, people, you know, I one fond one in, in at, uh, where was that? That was in Madison, I think, with like Jeff Kabush, who's always been someone I've looked up to. And, you know, just working on the stair set, it was like a three set that you sort of had to hop your way up. Uh, and just spending like, I think it was like 20 or 30 minutes. We were all just sort of playing on it. Right. And so that's, I think why I like cyclocross is it's the only time you can get people to really play around, you know, in a, a random field somewhere, right. You put some couple boards out or a couple of cones and everyone plays around on it. Right. And you can't really do that in any other discipline. So I think that's why I've always liked cyclocross as a coach, uh, is for that. You know, it's funny. I was, as you said that I was thinking about the number one tip I have about cyclocross is that you need to focus on skills and we'll kind of get into what that exactly looks like in a second. But it's funny because mountain biking is arguably a harder skill-based sport. Uh, cyclocross, you can kind of fake. And I mean, the point is to get on and off your bike. So you can pretty much run everything. Whereas in mountain biking, you're running less and you're trying to ride over much more. But for some reason, I would say cyclocross clinics are much more popular than mountain bike skills clinics. Yeah, I don't know if that's a true stat or not, but people are probably more willing to do a cyclocross. And I think a lot of it comes down to the technique of mounting and dismounting and the focus on cornering. Yeah, and I also It's suppose... pretty obvious, really. Like there's a gate that basically you're going to run into if you don't know what you're doing. Fair. Um I was also going to say maybe cyclocross is a very specifically a race discipline. I mean, I know you joked about riding cyclocross just because it was the off season, but ultimately very few people get into cyclocross in that way. Most people are getting into it because it's a race. So naturally that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone's going to go to an event. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Mm -hmm. mountain biking, most people would get into it and be doing it for fun long before they would ever consider racing. So I guess well, there's the a time... huge subset of people that will never race and yeah. never worry about how fast they're going and, you know, never pursue coaching. Yeah. Anyway, uh, all that to say, cyclocross is obviously a very skill-based sport, and it's an awesome way to work on your skills, whether you're talking about being a road racer or a mountain biker. So maybe, you know, should you 101 this a little bit and just, you know, uh, roughly what it is, you know, don't belabor it, but okay. you have reference Cyclocro- it. Yeah, cyclocross 101, if you're totally new to this and you're just completely confused as to what we're talking about cyclocross is basically if you take mountain bike and road and slam them together on a short course usually between two and three kilometers long so about like eight to ten minute laps depending on how quick you are uh the races run from 40 to 60 minutes it's a fall sport so it's typically done uh in mucky conditions like the muddier the better is sort of the the de facto motto of cyclocross, I would say, even though some people hate muddy races. It's quite big in Europe, especially Belgium is very big. It's almost, I always compare it. It's like going to a hockey game if yeah, you're in Belgium. It's huge. Yeah, it's all types of people, like uh, similar to hockey in Canada. People who've never maybe ridden a bike would, you know, go to every single race and, you know, they'd get fries and beer and trading cards. Yeah. There's they, a trading card of me in Europe, which is there's, amazing there's, to me. Yeah. And they wear like shirts that say like number one fan of some racer. Not me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it's very cool. It's just, it, it's, you know, in North America, you'd be forgiven for not knowing about it, but it, it is this sort of idea of, you know, you're probably familiar with gravel racing if you're listening to this thing. So it's those bikes have sort of grown, you know, are, are slightly bigger versions in many ways uh, of that, you know, gearing, tires, 
uh, the length of the bike, it's sort of just slightly bigger than mm-hmm. the cyclocross bike. Yeah. And we also really love cyclocross for beginner cyclists who want to get into racing, but maybe don't really know where to start. Um, cyclocross is great because it's a very, like, Hey, it's just a welcoming sport. The community, especially in mm-hmm. North America is just awesome. Any race, you're just going to feel like you're right at home. You know, my dad is a 65 year old, large, large man. And he rocks a Hawaiian shirt with his bib shorts and he shows up and he races and he's usually dead last and everyone is cheering like crazy for well, and him and that's the point too right like there's usually people are h- hanging around to cheer the course is very short as molly said like it could be you know within you know of your car where you're parked you might never be more than you know uh five four. ten minutes well yeah if it was a long one right but you could very be very close right so you don't really get dropped you know again because it's only eight minutes to get around the whole course right so someone's always around you uh Yeah, very, very different than the road race. And I I always say it's safer in in principle, not that it's without danger, but it's, you know, you're on grass. Usually it's a little moist. There could be snow even. So it's slippery, but when you fall, you're not really going that fast typically. And then you're also landing on otherwise soft material. Again, not that there isn't any risk and you're not going to end up in, you know, some sort of with an injury, but. But again, you're also literally like on the field basically. yeah your car is right there no yeah. one has <laughs> rarely do you need to track an atv into the woods for like half an hour to get to the person or yeah so like your that. time to the hospital is low too so yeah so as far as risk management it's a pretty pretty nice sport so that's that's your 101 anyhow you can look up cyclocross yes yep. uh, so the courses are defined by a few characteristics one would just be that different surface so you might have a lot of grass you might have a lot of mud you might have a lot of sand uh there's usually at least a bit of pavement on most courses, but it's pretty minimal. So picture yourself just riding on mostly double tracky type stuff if you're a mountain biker and that just makes around, more sense. Just randomly around a park. Think yeah. about the park by your house and then they, right around they, that they, a they bunch. string a bunch of caution tape all around the trees in that park and that's where you're riding. Yes. And then there's obstacles. So the point of cyclocross is actually typically to get on and off your bike at least once or twice a lap. Uh, so they have barriers, which are literally wooden barriers that you would dismount and run over. Or if you're super pro or a really good mountain biker, you would bunny hop over at this point in time. Some of them. Yeah. Some of them you can't because of the way they've been positioned or the the approach. And then there's other stuff like stair sets or mm-hmm. you know, just really steep hills that are super right. muddy that you so just again, can't get your up. Your local park maybe has, you know, some steep stair set in it or a really steep hill you know into a ravine so they would use that by you know they'd make the caution tape go up that that really steep hill right so you'd maybe put your bike on your shoulder and you'd run all the way up the hill and then you'd hop back on and away you go right and you'd do that yes between four and eight times over the course of your race yes and so the biggest barrier that most people have as far as cyclocross goes and as you kind of alluded to the reason people will go to clinics is in fact barriers so barriers are the biggest barrier Uh, the idea of dismounting and remounting can be really scary the idea of hopping off your bike and more importantly hopping back onto it while running uh, is sort of terrifying for people and that can be a huge barrier to entry right Uh, but I don't think that should ever stop someone from racing. I don't think you need to necessarily do a clinic before you even go to a race. Because you know what? It takes two seconds to climb back on your bike mm-hmm. and get going. Yeah, and lots of people, you know, pull to the side and step off their bike as you do however you do now. And they pick up their bike and carry it gingerly over and get well. And if you, you know, look up kids racing cyclocross, you know, there's these tiny little kids who, you know, they do just that. They stop on their bike 
they lift it up with all their might, which is always really cute to watch, and they step over. Right? Oh, I love the ones that can only get one wheel over at a time, and they have to walk back over the barrier to <laughs> get the back the of their bike over. Yeah, Personal so we favorite. all start somewhere, right? And then you go from there. But there's definitely a technique to hurdling them you know, with, with athleticism. And that's, again, one of my things I like about it is it's like one of those things in cycling where you can see true athleticism because there's actually running and hurdling and carrying, uh, jumping, if you will, right, where – uh, any other cycling discipline, there's there's less athleticism, less variability. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend going to a clinic if you can get to one, or at least a weekly practice if you can get to one. But uh, Peter's also done a course for Ryan Leach's Bike Skills website. Maybe we can link to that. That actually does cover sure. remounts and dismounts. Yeah, sort of a step by step, you know, baby step process where you know you can take you know a bunch of days and, and work through the different elements, right? And there's some drills like just putting one foot out while you corner, right, is one of the drills. Uh, scootering would be another one that I use a lot where you sort of put your left foot on your left pedal and then you use the right foot to sort of scooter yourself around, right? As if you broke your chain and you had to get home uh, is, is a good sort of, you know, lead into some of the balance and coordination you need to get on uh, and off your bike. Uh, exactly. So that's another one we use. Okay, so... Well, I think the remounting and dismounting is super important. I actually think the biggest skill that someone can practice for cyclocross is cornering. Because if you think about it, you get off and on your bike once or twice a lap in a cyclocross race. Yeah. Maybe like so, in a muddy race, it might be five times or something. Yeah, sure. I, I don't even know if you'd ever on and off five times in a lap. Sure. That'd be a lot. Yeah. It'd be muddy. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Okay. So a very muddy <laughs> yeah. race. So you're, you're most you'd ever do. Uh, but... How many times do you corner in a cross race? Probably a hundred times per lap. Mm-hmm. And people who are good at cornering, like it's seconds every corner, which sounds like a lot, but versus someone who's not great and even someone that's okay versus someone that's world-class at cornering. Um, no, racing, It's mind-boggling yeah. how fast some people can go. Yeah, Racing in the elite field being not great at cornering, I can say like minute down in one lap, largely based on corners alone. I'm pretty sure if you actually looked at the power output of myself and one of the top racers, it probably wouldn't even be that different because I'm working so freaking well, hard out of everything. It. Like it's probably not even the first lap you would notice it. You might keep up by surging, right? But it's the second and third and fourth lap where all the energy or, or more of the energy that that faster person, that better cornering person, whether they're ultimately winning or not, if, if the person doesn't touch the brakes and doesn't have to then accelerate as much, they're not using as much energy there. But then in that straight after or the uphill after, they have more energy. Exactly. You know, even if you both started with the same, you know, engine, um, you know, they're not using it, right? And you can think about that with the car, right? Someone who just goes super hard off the line and then a bunch of brakes, whereas like someone's just really, you know, got it on cruise control, right? And just, you know, really, really smooth average speed. You know, and they arrive there maybe faster than you would, despite all the energy expenditure. Yeah, and I think the irony is, so many people belabor the corner or the the remounts and dismounts and set up barriers in their backyard and are doing all of this stuff, and that's maybe going to save you a minute in the entire race. Mm. Versus setting up, you can tape a couple trees in your backyard or your local park. You don't even need to tape them. Well, and let's think. You know, we were just at a, a clinic in Ottawa, uh, Ontario, our capital of Canada which is often a wrong question. So if you're taking some sort of test on the capital cities, uh, that's often something people get wrong. So there you go. Uh, I've never got that wrong. 
Not really sure where you're going with this, Glassford. <laughs> uh, so we were in Ottawa, anyhow, doing a, a clinic in, with one of the clubs. And so what we did was we played with just sort of basics of cornering and some open space. So just, you know, try and get people to weave around. Uh, you can play different games. We sometimes play like a soccer or something if the athletes are decent with balance. Uh, but then we do, you know, your standard, what would you do? Well, you lay out some cones and you can do some slalom. You can make the slalom a little more technical by offsetting the cones or making them tighter or making them higher speed or putting them on an off camber. Uh, we do, I call it sort of public skating, uh, but it's sort of, you know, two big U-turns, right? And so you'll see a U-turn on most cyclocross courses, but what if we, just like if you th- picture doing public skating or roller rink for some of the non-hockey oriented people, you know, you're going around a sort of oval course and there's a big U-turn at both ends, right? And you can send one person or you can send a bunch of people all at once, which makes it more race-like and more fun. Uh, and you just practice all left-hand corners and then you can turn it into a dangerous figure eight if you want or you can just switch the direction and do corners the other way and we're working on that u-turn and then what did we do from there then we had actual course set up and we keep the course very very short i like to say two minutes for a course and we make it feature rich so a lot of barriers a lot of corners a lot of different corners a lot of off camber so where there's a sloped you know and then the corner is sort of like tricky to get around because of that you're on the side hill uh, so we did that and then we'd break down the corner. So very specific to the race, we'd break it down and then we'd maybe add a couple people into it, you know, so you're doing different lines to try and come around someone or avoid running into the back of someone. Uh, and so that's, you know, how we could look at corners, right? And that could be with a group or, or on your own. Perfect. Yeah. So I think that should be, if you're trying to practice one cyclocross skill every day, I really think I would do corners six days a week and barriers, dismounts, remounts one day a week. Like that mm-hmm. would be how I would do and it. There's all those factors that I talked about, right. That are about the environment. Like there's how tired are you? The repetition, how many in a row, how many people are you with? Uh, and then all the surfaces i talked about the gradient. So off camber, downhill, uphill, uh, and then obviously grass, gravel, pavement, you know, transitions between, they always run like gravel onto pavement or vice versa, which is super sketchy. Uh, so you have to be careful, wet pavement, you know, again, mud, snow, all those surfaces wet or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's, you know, that's the idea, right? And we're just trying to play with those surfaces. Uh, and if you have a practice environment, I used to just set this up around my parents' house when I was younger. Uh, and, and just, again, I think that course was 60 seconds and it had two dismounts, a bunch of corners of different types. And you just, burn burn the grass down to you're done when the when that you've worn in the the path right you don't need mark, percussion tape anymore it's just worn in dirt yeah now i used to do that in the backyard of my parents too just had a couple of trees i would figure eight around yeah a apologies bit. to the parents who are gonna have to yep. resod that thing but that's cyclocross yep exactly right. this is why parks hate us so much so you had corners you had dismounts we talked a bit about where people might get we have a couple uh videos as well for you know uh dismounting and mounting i think as well i've done with canadian cycling magazine i the barrier hop is the bunny hop molly alluded to so we'll maybe link to that as well mm-hmm. uh, and certainly that ryan leach course is great um the other thing you know if, you, if you're tricky with uh if you're having trouble with dismounts and mounts, um, this is similar in mountain bike skills. Like if you're having trouble with balance or skills or getting unclipped, uh, taking the clipless pedals out of it and just using, you know, flat shoes, they don't have to be this fancy mountain bike shoes. It's probably better if you have an actual mountain bike, like flat soled stiff shoe, but that's just a skateboard shoe. Um, so if you have, you know, your vans, uh, but I find the clipping in and clipping out is just, that's a big thing for people. And so if you can step back from the ego, of clipping in because everyone else is clipping in and I'm a cyclist and I'm a road cyclist or whatever, whatever the ego is attached to and say, you know, I'm going to use this tool, uh, this constraint, if you will, to say, well, I've taken the skill of clipping in and out 
out of this equation and I'm going to focus on putting my thigh on the seat or scootering or jumping off of the pedal right in time before the amount of change you see in someone when you, cause the, the person's just thinking I'm never going to unclip and I'm going to bash into this barrier and crash, or I'm terrified of getting, jumping onto a saddle while moving because I'll never get clipped in again to start pedaling. So if we take that out of the, it's, it's amazing how quickly this changes and people get a lot better and you can always add it back in. We're not saying you're never going to use clipless pedals again, right? But this is one of those things like we may as well be talking about politics when you start talking about pedals. But if, if you've been someone who's who's struggled, like just even just use your clipless pedals. I mean, be careful, but and, and your street shoes for a few repetitions. And I, I guarantee you, you're going to feel that it's safer and, and you make progress. It's actually why I really like candy egg beater pedals instead of just the straight egg beaters because they've got a bit of a platform around them. So it's a lot easier to do that with just regular shoes. Egg beaters gets a little dicey. Yeah, egg beaters, you're going to shin yourself, but you got to be careful. Anyway. I mean, <laughs> it's probably going to happen either way, I guess. But yeah, that's the idea. Is sometimes we can think about other ways we might play with this, right? It's... Mm-hmm. All right. On the note of politics and religion, the other hot button topic is running. Uh, so a lot of people assume that doing cyclocross, you have to you have to run. And even top level pros that we've seen and worked with over the years will do this very odd thing where the like summer, fall comes and they start doing these weird like two hour jogs. Yeah, and I mean, let's be honest. We're consummate athlete here. We're like, we we think running's good. We, we think love we think we think walking's better. So I think you're a human, uh, and if you have the option to do that, not everyone does, right? Like we might be talking about rolling. We might be talking about different other ways. We have to get this this movement. We might not have access to it, but if you have the ability to walk, then you probably should. Uh, if you have the ability to run, then I think that's that's good. You should use that. It's an asset. Uh, but we don't do it to excess, and we don't do it all of a sudden. Uh, we have to be careful, right? Just like we would with strength training, right? We don't go from zero to a marathon or zero to, you know, body weight uh, squats. Or we we shouldn't do that. I mean, well, we do, we do, we do, because we're cyclists. But uh, you shouldn't. Uh, so what you were going with that is, you know, marathon running, steady running on pavement repeatedly for a distance has literally nothing to do with is not cyclocross. And there's a we have a good debate, a friendly debate with uh, CX Hair's uh, legend Bill. Um, and he was on the podcast. We'll link to that episode. It's a great episode. We talk about more about cyclocross and, and Bill's a super interesting guy as well. Uh, but just talking about should running, should you run for cyclocross, right? And we tend to take the stance, which seems odd to the consummate athlete uh, ethos, but we say, no, you should probably do cyclocross, right? Which involves dismounting and running uh, and also probably some uphill, you know, workouts where you're running up a, a steep slope. Um, but we say, no, you don't need to add a run morning run all of a sudden unless you were already doing that and that was your thing right no i think at most during a cyclocross practice i would maybe think about doing some 30 second bursts of running again up that hill or through that sand like ideally with your bike since mm-hmm. you know what that's what you're gonna well be that's doing. exactly it like you're saying I, i've always I, I always struggle to find a good analogy right but it's you're, you're saying okay i'm gonna go run but you never run in cyclocross. You run beside a bicycle, which is a very different Or movement. holding your bicycle. Well, yeah, that's it. Your bicycle is, you know, except for what, the two steps or one step while you're doing a, a transition, you're trading your bike, which is cyclocross 301 when you actually are, are going through pits and trading bikes. In a sprint motion. <laughs> right, right. But this is an instant that you don't have a bike. So in all other cases, you would either be pushing your bike or carrying your bike while running, which is a very lopsided activity when you think about it. 
um, right? It's not quite the same as, as running. There's no arm swinging, really. And, and probably the longest run would be like some, it doesn't really happen anymore in North America, but a real mutter where you're just running for two minutes or something uh, with your bike on your shoulder. And pretty typically, yeah, it's very rare that those would be flat. Most of the time you're looking at running up a really steep hill, mm-hmm. which again is not the same as running 20 minutes on flat. And it's quite extreme, right? Um, usually it's 10 seconds, 20 seconds, and you're back on. And, and even more often, you know, if for a lot of people that race more, you know, your September, October crosses before the weather gets poor, uh, it, it's going to be two or three steps before a barrier and two or three steps after. Yeah. So that's not only to say don't belabor running. It's also to say, if you want to run, that's, that's fine. A lot of we people, think that's a great idea. We think that's a but great not idea, for but not for cyclocross. Uh, yeah. It's, like the reason is not for cyclocross. It exactly. might even benefit you in cyclocross, but we don't think you should start because of that. It's sort of a complicated, uh, concept. Cause exactly. I, I always say that I like running and I think I'm actually better running beside my bicycle than I am pedaling my bicycle. Uh, so I actually, whenever there are these situations where there's a, an opportunity to run or choose to run, you make a decision to run versus ride, which is a great thing about cyclocross. You could uh, either could be the faster choice, uh, in a given section. I tend to think, okay, cool. I'm running. I don't have to think about it anymore. Whereas when I'm riding, I feel like I have to really think about it because it's probably like a slippery off camber or a really steep uphill, which I am not as good at. Mm-hmm. But if I just run across it, I feel like it's less energy, right? But that's mm. because I like running and running beside my bike. Yeah, yeah. So if you do want to run, that's fine. But just remember that, that is not the thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think like a run walk, right? That's if you want to start and you think it is beneficial or you're looking towards winter, you know, or traveling again, you know, when you're not going to have your bike, then we start with a run walk, right? And this is a 30 minute, maybe 20, 30 minute walk with, you know, you could call this a stride, but it's, it's you know, a 10, 20, 30 second run across you know, a grassy field or something uh, where you just run athletically. You don't think about heart rate or anything else. And it's maybe five of those. That's how I would start you running. I'd say the fact that you just mentioned grass is a really important part of that because running on pavement is so, so different than running on grass, mud or sand. Yeah. And I mean, I think you could do it that way. But again, for cyclocross, they're never rarely going to make you uh, run on pavement. I'm trying to think of any scenario. It'd be sketchy, right? Because you can't really dismount onto pavement. Again, not never say never. Also, you're running in your mountain bike shoes. With spikes, usually. On pavement. One time I raced a mountain bike race that was a real, you know, good mutter, as they say. And I had these, I, we had gone to the soccer, it was this massive sports store in the city. I think we were in Edmonton. Uh, and I got these really long, <laughs> like comically long rugby spikes. And I never had run on pavement but you ended up having to run on mud because it got so muddy and then you came out onto the city paved path that was sort of uphill and it was really hard to mount but then i ran and i almost fell over because the spikes it was like wearing a reverse high heel i was gonna say reverse stilettos yeah, super super weird okay uh, so, so there you go there's Toe spikes though uh that reminds me of the episode with the horse spike Yes. Um, we'll link to that one as well. So toe spikes are another thing that in muddy races and anything you're running a lot on loose surfaces can be a, a game changer uh, in cyclocross. So horse spikes, look them up. Yes. Um, and then as far as uh, both training and races go, uh, I we mentioned this or alluded to it in the fact that cyclocross is sort of a safer version of most bike racing, but crashes 
can and will happen. If you race cyclocross, you're you're gonna end up sliding out in a corner or mistiming a barrier. You know I haven't heard about Joey. Joey, how's Joey, Joey doing? Time. People should look up Joey cyclocross if they haven't. Look up is jo- or Joey's okay cyclocross. Just just look it up. Is that what it was? Is it Joey is okay? I think it's Joey's okay. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. We won't go too deep down that. It probably should have died, but not not Joey, but the the meme. It was that, a great that became, meme. That was fantastic. Highlight of my life was meeting Joey, though, for sure. Maybe not of my life, but a highlight. A little offended by well, that. Well, it's one dear. of those. I mean, Jeremy Powers is like that too. Like he was just this guy on TV, and then I got to know him really well, and that was sort of neat. I didn't get to know Joey that well, but <laughs> shout out to Joey anyhow. So Joey ran quite vigorously into a cyclocross barrier, put his shin into it, and basically exploded upwards. <laughs> I don't know if he cleared the second one or did he put his chest into the second one. There's usually I think two he barriers. Went over it, yeah. yeah. It was a pretty it was, good. He one. went really high. When like, you say he ran fake. into it, we don't mean he ran into it like running. He couldn't, like, he didn't manage to unclip and hit it at a very high speed. Do you think that's what happened? I yeah. thought he kicked it. Now we're gonna have to go back and watch the Joey is okay. Oh boy. <laughs> okay, well let's move on past Joey. But you, you had a point about safety. My point is just that crashes happen and it's it's okay. Like it's gonna be a little disconcerting the first time you slide out in grass. Uh, but I, I always kind of like to think about with cyclocross, if I didn't crash in a practice, it usually meant that I was not pushing my limits enough. And in cyclocross, a big thing is figuring out where your limits are in every corner. Right? On a bike that's not really great. Yeah, a bike <laughs> that is not really meant for any of the terrain. Sometimes that that's on. almost like a better 101 description, right? Is like, you're going to go ride around your local park. It's going to be probably crummy weather and you're going to ride a bike that's not great for the thing you're doing at but it's any gonna point be so much right fun. like there's going to be pavement but you're going to be like it's not a road bike and then you're going to be off-road on something that's sort of technical and you're going to be thinking oh if i had my mountain bike this would be really easy but you're not on but then the bike. grass will be wet and sort of deep and you're going to ride across that and you're going to think oh you know if i had my fat bike i would float across this but i'm digging into this really deeply uh so that's cyclocross and then sometimes you have to run so I don't know why any cyclist does it, to be honest, but it's fun. But it's so much fun. But, yeah. <laughs> you got to do something in the fall, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, grass stains do come out. It's going to be fine. Oh, I had an addendum to that too. So you, it's, you're going to crash. It's okay. It's generally going to be fine. Uh, it's part of the sport and pushing your limits, like you say. Uh, but the other thing is your foot comes out of your pedals. This gets to this clipless pedals debate, this religious debate, uh, where you dab or what we call tripod or I, I call it outrigger. Your foot goes out often as a counterbalance or to indeed, you know, touch the ground and sort of paddle. And you'll see the best people in the world do this multiple times, you know, in a given lap. And so we're doing this often. But if you have to put a foot down, it's part of the sport. Like, don't get frustrated, right? This is not, you know, an easy road ride where you stay clipped in the whole time necessarily. I mean, there's our, all, it does happen. Uh, but that's that's the idea, right? Is, is it's okay to put a foot out and probably you're supposed to on some of these tricky corners or, or off camber sections. Yes. So that is also a skill to practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. The other skill, uh, we're coming back full circle to what we started with as far as like preparation goes. And it's that cyclocross weather can change on a dime. And this is, this is just fall weather in general, right? We were just camping in Quebec this weekend. And I think the temperatures ranged from like 35 to 75. Uh, It was super sunny. And then it was pouring rain. 
you know, freezing cold, super warm. Uh, you know, it's just jumping around so much. And that's just within a day. Uh, so when you are preparing to race for cyclocross, um, just remembering to have everything on hand, like have your leg warmers, but also your short sleeve jersey, um, have extras of everything that you can possibly have, have rain gear. Um, and probably just, the, you're outside a lot of the day for a lot of people, if you, if you are going to be outside a lot of the day, which most people are. And then it's even decent temperatures get very cold, right? It doesn't take much. Yeah. You, either you get wet or the wind's up or it's really, there's not much sun. Uh, so you just get very cold. Now I'm just thinking about uh, Gino, our Belgian mechanic friend who made fun of me because I would always wear more more fashion clothes to the, the right. Belgian he, races. He proclaimed, a, he yelled across a cycle, World Cup cyclocross course that Molly was fashion. It was yeah. the best moment of my life. I'm not going to do a Belgian accent, but you can imagine. No, it was great. Um, you know, to be fair, though, I was wearing a raincoat. I just did not have rain pants on. I think you yeah, you were wearing yoga tights, maybe, yeah. and, and fashion uh, rubber boots. Yeah, and yeah. So, indeed. But I was wearing Molly, you boots. are fashion. I am fashion. Uh, anyway, uh, all that to say, just make sure you have lots of everything, lots of towels, lots of garbage bags. They're very helpful. I'm probably relate. You know, I don't think you have to. I never really did this, but again, I'm not a great cyclocross racer. But the the warming up, a lot of times people will you know set up a little tent maybe by their car or maybe they're part of a club that has a tent, uh, and they might use uh, rollers or a trainer. Probably not your super expensive electronic smart trainer, mind you. Uh, to warm up right versus trying to warm up by riding around in the rain or or you know the, the, sometimes there's just not a great place to warm up on the uh, around the course or on the course some venues you can jump on the course and do a, a lap or two before uh, which is is fine and I, I think I actually prefer that but then you have to be careful because your bike might end up being really muddy and filled with grass uh, as you come around uh, and try and start the race right so it's this thing of trying to keep everything clean also be warm whilst not getting too cold because the, you know it's raining or, or the temperatures are off yeah yeah it's it's definitely a a gear it's not a sport that is light on gear unfortunately no. like you can definitely do it on you know if you if you're listening to this and you just want to get started you can totally do it on a mountain bike you can totally do it with you know your gravel bike whatever you have just go out and give it a try but to be super serious about it is a very gear and stuff heavy endeavor it does it escalates quickly yeah yeah uh, yeah and, and there's been you know ideas put forth that you know they should make it so you can only have one bike uh to try and normalize it at the junior and, and masters levels right so it's not sort of like an f1 race uh as we get through i don't know where we'll go with that or if that'll ever be enforced but i, I really like, like that, that. Idea. i support that that's yeah. collegiate cycling has done that where they banned time trial bikes in a lot of the collegiate conferences because so many of the collegiate teams couldn't afford them and then there'd be a couple of teams who had full-on aero everything uh, that were just bought, like from the college and inevitably they were crushing it it's a tough one yeah it's sort of like trying to put salary caps in baseball or something right yeah. there's, there's probably always loopholes mm -hmm. uh, but that's that's a good one the time trial bike uh, is probably a good one a number of bikes i guess you can control sometimes yeah. people have said you know making it single speed or making it rigid or or mountain biking you know no suspension or mountain biking just front suspension but mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty tough now we're gonna we're gonna wrap up but um first of all i guess before I get into our, our bonus that we have for everybody, uh, Peter, if you had to give one race day tip to make someone's race go better, what would it be? Hmm. That's a tricky one. You know, I, I was just talking to someone about cyclocross and the one thing is I think people, the, the eating is, is just, you know, it can be tricky because you're driving to the race. The race is probably earlier depending on what category you race in. 
And people overthink either, you know, they have a massive greasy breakfast or they, you know, forget to have breakfast or they panic. They didn't have this perfect breakfast. You know, sometimes two cliff bars in the morning or something, you know, and then go race or one cliff bar. If two cliff bars sounds like a lot, um, you know, if you're racing at 9am, like you just, it doesn't, you don't need a lot, right? So don't, don't complicate. It doesn't have to be this beautiful breakfast, right? And I say cliff bars, but it can be anything, right? Just a couple hundred, few hundred calories and, and away you go, especially for those morning races, right? Obviously if you're a noon race, you're going to have breakfast and you're going to have a pre-race sort of snack. Uh, but some of these days it's just, you know, win the fights that you can win. You know what? On that note, it's actually interesting to me. Everyone always talks about oatmeal as sort of the the race fuel of champions for cyclocross, which makes sense. It's fall. Oatmeal feels warm and cozy and really nice. It's just a standard cycling breakfast too. It is. However, I'm going to argue in cyclocross, I actually don't totally love oatmeal as the pre-race breakfast because frankly, for a lot of people, especially if you don't eat oatmeal every morning, it's going to make you need to poop. Which, so, can, which can be good. I guess it depends when that urge which, comes. Yeah, not if you're like hopping off your bike in the middle of a barrier and you're like, oh no. Uh, right, so right. I would point out that like when we worked with Aspire, Jeremy Powers, Ellen Noble, you know what they ate for breakfast? Pancakes and waffles. Like Probably or waffles, I well, would think. Well, sorry, yeah. that, that was pancakes for Jeremy, waffles for right, Ellen. Right, okay, uh, fair. Which, by the way, when you're cooking both of those... Uh, right, a little excessive. Su- little excessive, guys. Uh, anyway... Very simple, right? They'd maybe put a bit of yogurt on, but it was pretty typically We're just... We're thinking carbs, right? We're not thinking health. It was straight up maple you know? syrup, like totally, totally and simple. And I think that's that's a fight, right? You know, a lot of my clients are looking at weight loss and health and longevity as much as, you know, any sort of performance, right? And, and so it's sometimes you hear, okay, this is what the pros are doing and you get, need to be careful, right? Because that's maybe not what you're trying to do. I'm not saying eat pancakes on like a Tuesday. No, but some, you know, again, this gets back to my point that like, it just doesn't need to be much, right? It could be two ego. We have ego waffles. Do you guys have, what do you have? Frozen yeah, waffles, we have frozen waffles, pre-made waffles, just whatever. Is, it's almost like what's going to make you happy. But because cycle cross is short, we're only talking 30 or 40 minutes. You've probably done Zwift races with nothing in your stomach. You know, I'm, I'm betting 75% of the people that have done are listening here. have done this, right? You get out of bed because you have to, because you're going to work and then you'd go and you slug out some hard workout or, or Zwift race or online race or virtual race. Uh, and then you have breakfast and you go to work, right? So I think we probably want to fuel. It's probably performance enhancing, but it's, it's this balance of having some sugar in the system and then also not uh, vomiting, not to say it too too bluntly, right? But this is the balance, right? And cyclocross is so short that you don't want a ton in your stomach. So I think, especially for the early race, it, it's almost simpler because you sort of wake up, have a snack, maybe have a pre-race snack, giver, and then, yep. and then go and have a diner breakfast or grab some fries or a beer or whatever beer there's beer gardens for context uh but yeah that's that's the idea love it and and i guess maybe the other thing is you know as always uh don't take that as you know that's general rule of thumb advice but you you can suss out what you like right i I like sweet potatoes i like eggs right so a lot of people do eggs and rice as a pre-race breakfast right but can you have that ready and make it easy you know what doesn't impress the ladies sweet potatoes no i was gonna go with eating a pound of bacon ahead of your race Again, some people, some people might do that. Some people might do that <laughs> to impress the girl that they're, they just started dating. I don't know. Not naming names here. Yeah. Glassford. I mean, sometimes that's all you have is a pound of bacon and you're hungry. So, yeah, there you, go. you know, I, I always use this when people are like, oh, should I eat this or should I drink this during the race? And it's like, it's, you know, a pound of bacon's extreme. We won't go too far down that story. Um, but I always go back to, I was, I, someone handed me the wrong bottle, which when you're a younger person racing at the quote unquote elite level, this seems like the end of the world that you got handed your recovery bottle on the last lap of a race. You could probably make a compelling argument that it's probably fine to do that. Uh, but you know, it's sugar, 
it, it's really it's water right this is not a big deal and so i was going by and i was like should i drink it and i think i yelled at my coach and my friend a uh, good friend actually now was standing there and he's like are you thirsty <laughs> and i just always think about that as like simplifying this whole thing like it probably doesn't matter that much as long as you know it, it's not a, a ton shout out to scott who i assume was the friend who no said it that. was not but, <laughs> um, yeah yeah, so that's the idea. You know, try and figure out what works for you and what your ideal is, but you know, have some bandwidth to move side to side and, and what would work again, two cliff bars probably works in most situations. My my tip, I, I guess as far as race day, is to if you can get there the day before, if it's a bigger race, if you can get there the day before to get your numbers and check out the course, do that. If it's, you know, same day race, I st- I think giving yourself enough time to get there comfortably, get your numbers, check out the course. Make sure your numbers are pinned on the right side. Not not your right side, the correct side. Sorry. Um, just checking on all of those right. things, side having course, enough time yeah. to actually check the course. I mean, we and and know if there's anything that's going to change on the course. We all saw the Olympics. We all know what happens when you don't know if a bridge is going to be taken out. Uh, of course, yeah. And it's it's interesting. I've seen this to you. It's it's tricky as an individual athlete to to see how common things are or how little, like some things just aren't a big deal, right? As you say, like racing, you know, that's racing is what people say, right? And what they mean by that is like, you can crash, you know, you're going to crash. You're going to have a bad race. You're going to have digestive upset. You're going to have, you know, make a bad decision. You're going to get caught in a start crash. This stuff happens. Like I, it's Monday right now when we're recording this, you know, and I have all these emails of, I think three people had car trouble getting to races. Amazing. Right. So to your point, like leave with a lot of time because it's not, you know, you're going to hit traffic. You're going to run into gas. You're going to get a flat. You're going to need to poop. Right. Right. How many times I can think of three times with when we were traveling with the Aspire with Jeremy's powers team where there was traffic, you know, someone's plane was late. Um, I don't know if the, the car ever broke. Oh, we had a car breakdown. We, it didn't necessarily delay us to the race, but do you recall that we had to go get the the van serviced? So this is it, it. Obviously, happens, and it seems like the end of the world to you while you're in it. But it just that's racing, right? So we try and plan by having everything laid out. That's where we started talking today. We leave with a lot of time when we can, right? And then we don't stress. You know, we go through the motions. I think that's that's the core of my tip is just that this is supposed to be super fun and. To me, the way to be super, the way to make it super fun is to be stress free. It's mm. racing itself is super fun, but if you show you up to the start, free or to leave space for stress, uh, leave space for stress. That's very I guess. zen. Sorry, I'll, be, I'll meditate on that today. Oh, God. Leave space for stress. You know, Glassford, <laughs> can I just finish my tip? Very uh, meditative this week. Anyway, uh, you know, during the race is super fun, but if you show up to the start line and, you know, you're pulling a glove on and you realize your number is pinned to the wrong side and you, you know. You're describing me at every race. I know. Molly, I, I have two left help, gloves. Help. Two left gloves. <laughs> uh, it's That's going to take some of the, the fun out of it and it's going to make the sport seem a lot less enjoyable. But if you show up and you have plenty of time to chat with your friends and maybe pre-ride a lap with friends or warm up with friends or have time to get your stuff together in a calm, relaxed way, it's going to make the entire day much more enjoyable and make the stress the good stress of, oh, I'm psyched to race and well, many, I'm excited many of to the perform. Races, again, over the career, many of the races, you'll have too much time. There'll be a bunch of sitting around waiting, maybe, you know, sitting in a car waiting. But cyclocross is all about the community. So if you have time to sit around, that's chat. great. You should. I mean, you should control what you, you know, however you like to do your pre-race. But 
again, it, it's nice to have time to calmly pin numbers and have your two cliff bars. <laughs> People are going to love the two cliff bars. Um, and, and Presented just, by Cliff. And leave space, right, again, for something to go wrong. But, yeah, it's things like the warm-up and things like the pre-ride are pretty performance-enhancing, right? We spend so much time talking about stupid intervals on, you know, e-racing, uh, and how that's going to make it, you know, just ruin our season if we don't get a three by 10 at this X wattage. And then it's, you know, we, we leave too late. We don't have the car gassed up. We, you know, get caught in traffic. We don't warm. And then we don't warm up and we don't pre-ride. Well, I didn't know the course and I wasn't warm. So the start, which is the most important part, <laughs> didn't go well. Right. And it's like, well, good thing we got that three by 10 done. Right. Yes. Right. So these are the big rocks, right. Yeah. Of, of preparation, right. It's not sexy. You know, we're talking about putting uh, speak for yourself last for <laughs> yeah. I find or- organization. organization incredibly sexy yeah we're talking about arm warmers in a bag I guess that's sort of sexy super hot if you say it in the right way I guess uh, anyway, on that on that note, we have a sexy pre-race ebook for everybody. Uh, so we did actually put together just a ten-page cyclocross race day ebook. It has. How do I get this ebook? Well, first I'm going to tell you what it has, so you know why okay. you want it. Yeah. Uh, so okay. it's got all the stuff we just talked about, but it also has a strength training set. It has sort of the best mobility moves for cyclocrossers. It has links to all of our favorite videos, so a lot of the ones we mentioned in here. It has a matrix for how to dress for different race conditions. It has. Uh, a race day journal slash like scheduling tool, we'll call it. So something that you can print out and just use for every single race. So you're always prepared. It has like a mini packing list. And there's a lot of things in this. A lot of things in this. this. Future yeah. Future rich. And a lot of stuff on race day itself and sort of how to structure the day before day of for, you know, optimal performance. So you can get it in two ways. One, you could rate and review the podcast take a screenshot of that and then DM it to us over on Instagram at consummate athlete. Uh, or simply you can head over to consummateathlete.com and subscribe to our newsletter. It's going to go out with our newsletter next Tuesday. So, uh, October 4th. Uh, so if you're signed up for our newsletter before then you will get the cyclocross ebook. Otherwise drop into our DMS with that rating or review and we will email it to you. And boom, you will be ready to crush your next cyclocross season or this this cyclocross season that we're in. Uh, yeah, so we are we are super excited that we are finally in my personal favorite season of the entire year. Uh, we'll see, I guess, some of the listeners hopefully at some of the cyclocross races and clinics and weekly series coming up. Uh, and I mean, worlds are worlds are in the U.S. and they're That's only right. a few months yeah, away. Yeah, you can go watch world championships in Arkansas in February. Yes, and oh man. That is going to be a huge couple weeks for me. Uh, that I will talk about maybe in an upcoming episode, but big things are happening. Uh, exciting, exciting, exciting. Uh, also, anyone that just heard big things are happening and thinks that we're pregnant, we are I was, not. I, I just want to put that out like, there. Ah, I won't say it. I'll leave no, it. because you know what? I'm going to get a DM otherwise. Okay. So okay. Not, so th- not that. That thing. is not the big exciting thing. Uh, it's not really that exciting for most people. I no, guess, I know. But it's something else to talk about. I guess. And that's, <laughs> thank you for being here and listening to these things we talk about if you do have any other uh, suggestions on what we might talk about here on the consummate athlete podcast we're here for it uh i guess in closing we, we are trying to you know we're doing a bit of a reno here on our, our podcast recording area we're not going to call it a studio uh, and looking at guests for the fall winter and topics and anything else so if you do have suggestions or requests we're always open to those and again the the uh, direct messages the dms on instagram are a great place to do that but we also have a contact form at consummateathlete.com if you want to reach out and just let us know what's up awesome all right thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next week 
Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram, at consummateathlete, and we will see you next week.